Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It is October 18th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios of the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. As many predicted, the Steelers won, but they took the long way around to finally overcome the Seahawks 23-20. This against a team whose defense ranks dead last in yards allowed, whose team is on a retread quarterback without a pedigree of victories. Nick, <laughs> thoughts about this victory? Listen, I have a lot of thoughts about the victory. Once again, we're pirate radio this year with the new schedules. So we're going to get some of the thoughts out now, and I might tack some things on later. But all I could say, Steelers' stock is going up. And if you think their stock's going up, well, guess what? We have a brand new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol. S-I-M. B-U-L-L is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that going around now, guys. Laws are changing. World's changing. It's time to capitalize. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks. And every time your teams win, you win cash. Buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your teams win. Win. Join the 7,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot com and use the promo code SD, like San Diego, a city without a football team, and your deposit will be risk-free. Now, really, SD for sports drink. Come on, guys. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. You know where a good place to talk about this game would be? On Spotify Green Room. Oh yeah, the live audio-only sports talk platform that's heating up, it's easy to use, and man, it's free. You can talk to fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversations. Yell at people. Be yelled at. Feel the passion. Feel the invigoration running through your blood by downloading the Spotify Green Room app for free in the iOS store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. So... Even though it was a hard-fought victory, and I'm nervous about many right. things, <laughs> you know, we doubled we doubled the time of possession in the first half. It seemed like a paltry output for an opportunity to really rack up some offensive productivity. Yeah, I agree. So I think let's talk about this uh, from an airplane high in the sky, right? And you let me know whenever you need to roll out. But I think the best way we should do this is talk about it uh, long term. 
I have said this in past podcasts before. I think the the just in regards to my mindset when I'm watching the Steelers now, which I will never stop doing. I think the transition away from that Saints game and AB and Le'Veon going crazy, you know, around the time of Shazier getting hurt, losing that Jaguars game, all of the the horrors that we had to witness as Steelers fans, similar to what the Saints fans have gone through in the past few years, when you have these prime Super Bowl opportunities with your Hall of Fame quarterbacks and you see the window close. I think that that's when my soul was ripped out and, and it was agony for me after every game. I watch the Steelers differently right now. And so when you look at the performance from the Seahawks last night, I'm really looking at it to see, I think of this Steelers team as like the 21-22 Steelers, 2021-22. I'm just looking for the young guys to improve and see what is going to be the core of this team when you lose Ben and then eventually Cam Hayward probably not that long after him, right? And so what I saw against the Seahawks was, yes, the Steelers played a historically bad defense, but I wouldn't... I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration because you saw how much of a uh, difference Jamal Adams and uh, Bobby Wagner and guys like that made last night. And I can't remember the name of the corner, number two. He's actually a pretty good player. But I thought that that was the best the Steelers looked on offense the whole season, as you just outlined with some of the statistics, right? Um, The fact that they weren't able to capitalize and finish the game and, you know, they were reminiscent of the first year with Todd Haley. I don't know if you remember, but this was with the Young Money receivers, A.B., um, Wallace, and that douche Sanders. And they would dominate teams in team of possession. But they were one of the worst red zone teams in the league, so they were kind of middle of the pack as far as scoring goes. I think that's the mark last night of them not being able to capitalize. That's the mark of a, of a middling team, you know? So I don't expect them to be able to completely turn around right away. What I do like is that the run game stats weren't great, but the run game was effective when it needed to be. They had a little bit more push. Najee fell forward many times. You saw Deontay Johnson take another step forward as a number one receiver. You saw Kendrick Green have a better game. You saw Fryermuth get really involved. And then you saw the Steelers actually mount a couple of real drives that ended on like the two-yard line with really creative play calls to get in the end zone. You saw Najee Harris split out as a wide receiver and run a zig out route for a touchdown. And then you saw Eric Ebron on one of those Matt Canada patented and reverses. So, yep, it's disappointing, Dad, that they didn't really finish it. But I do feel like there was a clear step forward in the offense and, and, and with Ben Roethlisberger particularly, who at the end of the game was making throws we haven't seen him make in – two years you know he's hitting a lot of 20 yarders out on the sideline to Deontay and Claypool and a couple back shoulders that should have been easy catches for a guy like Claypool right so um, we'll talk more about Ben but long story short I think that there was improvement from the Steelers offense I think there was regression from the defense but I don't put any asterisks on it um, because the Seahawks are bad because the Steelers obviously are, are in such dire straits offensively yeah, that that really showed up when um, the Seahawks decided to just run the ball in the second yeah. half. I mean, the the first half for the Seahawks was futile. I mean, they had five straight pumps. Um, sorry, I'm trying to pull up my st- to get this information correct. Yeah, they weren't able five to do st- anything in that first half, and the Steelers' defense was absolutely everywhere. 
And then they, they turned around when they started handing it to Alex Collins, who used to terrorize the Steelers from the Ravens team. Uh, and really what they did, actually Neil Kulong pointed this out on Twitter this morning or last night, and I went back and watched the game, checked it out. All they did in the second half was run to the side Cam Hayward is not on. And Cam Hayward eventually made a bunch of the tackles five and ten yards downfield. So you you can run, but you can't hide from Cam Hayward. But you can take advantage of a Steelers defensive line that is a bit decimated. You know, not having to it and Alu Alu in there. I mean, that's a big deal. That's two thirds of your defensive line, right? And so that was very disappointing to see how they got the ball run down their throats in that second half. Because you're right, they were really effective at bottling the Seahawks up in the first half. And your your thoughts about why they were so effective on the ground against the Steelers? I, you know, it's hard to say. They were getting pushed the whole time. You you watch all those snaps with Alex Collins. Their defensive, their offensive line is moving the Steelers' defensive line and linebackers backwards, except for Cam Hayward. And, you know, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith had nice games. But I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and watch Devin Bush's game a little bit more. You definitely are starting to get a little bit worried about that, you know. Bob, again, I think Devin Bush is in a uh, unfortunate pr- uh, position, having to follow up Shazier. You know, they they were desperate to to get an heir to Shazier, and it's not bad, but it's not it's not great. And I think last night was an example of that. And I guess you know, Wormley and Bugs, Mondo, those guys all have nice flashes, but there's a reason why they're not starting. You know, sixty snaps not supposed to be starting sixty snaps a game because that Seahawks offensive line was definitely getting a nice push. Yeah, it just seemed to happen all of a sudden in the second half that they realized, oh, <laughs> this was open the whole time. Right. I mean, when you look at the top longest plays for both teams, and since I'm looking at it now, the the Seahawks had five plays of over 20 yards. Three of those were passes, but two of them were, were rushing. The Steelers had one play, two plays over 20 yards. Yeah, I think uh, just to do a quick little roulette wheel here. Najee, there's almost no point in analyzing him. He's been the same guy ever since the third, you know, the first two games. I think he was getting his sea legs. He's just awesome. I mean, he is constantly pushing the pile forward or juking somebody out when he's one on one in the flat. And it's really the pushing of the pile forward thing that we haven't seen in Pittsburgh since mm-hmm. Bell. And even then, you know, Bell had an awesome line too. He constantly did it. But James Conner, obviously a powerful guy, but Najee Harris is just, he's. He carries four people regularly and turns these things into two and three yard runs when they should be zero. And that is a world of a difference since last year. And I think that the offensive line, obviously not as good as they were against Denver. But once again, there was some semblance of a running game after there had not been for about 14, 15, 16 straight games in Pittsburgh. So let's just leave them where they are. What I said about Ben is true. I mean, look. He's going to have the Jameis fumble. Unfortunately, it came in the fourth quarter. Check that off the list. Every single week that's happened. He had a horrible throw. I don't know if it was a miscommunication with Deontay where he threw it right to Jamal Adams at the very end of the game. Luckily for the Steelers, Jamal Adams can't catch. But Ben was better. He was more aggressive. He looked more comfortable. He threw the ball downfield. We'll never see him use the middle of the field. Just give that up, guys. But he was able to take advantage of a Seahawks defense that looked like it was crowding the middle of the field, not wanting them to run all over the Seahawks. And you get one-on-one matchups with Deontay and Claypool outside. And I'd say in the first three quarters, Deontay was masterful. He was phenomenal, making great catches all over the field. And I think that this was one of Chase Claypool's worst games as a Stealer, uh, let alone there was, there was a drop or two. But just 
his inability to feel with Ben, like when do we need to hit a back shoulder? Like he even tapped himself on the chest after a back shoulder pass went past him, admitting like, oh, damn, I should have had that. So some of that's chemistry between him and Ben. Some of that is we know that Chase Claypool is a relatively raw guy, so those are things that take a little while to build up. But that's basically the game. If the Seahawks are saying we're not going to let you run up the middle on us, we're going to put our guys one-on-one with Claypool and Deontay – you take those shots all day, and, and the Steelers aren't quite where they need to be in that area, but I thought that they took a step forward for sure. All right, everybody, it's Nick checking back in for the second part of this podcast in which we break down the Steelmen thrilling victory, 23-20 to over the Geno Smith Seahawks last night. So where we left it off with me and Papa Tom was I was breaking down the offensive performance saying that Ben Roethlisberger took a step forward in terms of his comfortability, or let's just say in terms of his comfort in the pocket, and his comfort making throws to different areas of the field that we have not seen him really attack in the past two years. There were a lot of throws down the sideline on little either skinny posts or corner routes or deep outs or comebacks that he was making to Deontay in beautiful fashion, really putting the ball right on the numbers. There were also a couple passes to Claypool on the sideline that should have been back shoulders that I think one or two of them, the the defensive back got his hands on them. But when you really look at it, Roethlisberger put the air under the ball, anticipating that Chase Claypool will come back to the ball and snatch it out of the air. Ben has been really good trusting his receivers over the years with that type of play. So I even think, after looking at those plays a few times again this morning, I think that those were nice throws as well. And we are just seeing that you know Chase and Ben are, are still trying to get some chemistry going. But when you analyze it from Ben's performance, there was so much more good in this game, there was so much more aggression in this game against the Seahawks than we've seen the whole year. Now, conversely, like we've said the entire season, you're not going to erase the bad plays from Ben. It's just not going to happen. I know there's opinions out there saying, you know, if he could be more game managerial style, they'll be okay. You're never going to get that. The guys played for 18, 19 years here. In, in the complete opposite style of game manager. He's a feel guy. He can rein it in a little bit, but his style is, is better when he's confident and throwing the ball downfield because you see the way he throws the ball. I mean, that, that thing is spiraling. It's humming. It's accurate when he's confident. That's his talent. And really, look, that's his last talent that's left. Is He's still, he's still relatively cerebral before the play, but he, you still see him you know, predetermine a lot of things. He's a smarter quarterback than people give him credit for. Anybody who's, who starts for two decades is going to pick up some tricks, right? But the best thing he still has for himself is his arm and his ability to throw nice passes. So when he was comfortable last night, you saw very few passes just totally get away from him the way that they did earlier in the season when he was missing Juju on wide open touchdowns. So I think that that was a big improvement. And if you want to win with an elderly quarterback like this, the rest of your team has to pick him up. So that might be the line or that might be the receivers. And I think Deontay Johnson dropping that 
unbelievable dime from Ben in the first quarter on the free play in the end zone. That's a tough catch, but you think Deontay Johnson can make those. You don't really fault him for that one. That's kind of like a 50-50. You just wish he would catch it, given the fact that we view him as a Pro Bowl-type receiver. Chase Claypool had, you know, three or four that he really should have caught. So that's just work work in progress. Like, we're always on Chase Claypool watch because we think this guy has the talent to be like (laughs) – the best receiver in the league if he could put it all together. But um, the throws from Ben were so much better. But like I was saying, you're not going to take away the boneheaded stuff. You just have to accept it. That that bullet he threw uh, right at Jamal Adams, that was different than the crappy throws he's thrown right to the, to the opposition in the past few games. Those other throws are usually five yards past the line of scrimmage. I think that throw was on a post route to Deontay. And I don't, I don't know if Deontay didn't run the route flat enough or he didn't realize Deontay was going to, you know, aim where he was angling or perhaps it really was just Ben was feeling himself. And sometimes you're going to, you're going to gun one in there and and it's going to be an interception, but at least it wasn't the timid throws directly to the other team that we've seen before the fumble. It's happened the same way. It's happened every week. He's in the pocket. He thinks he's 34. He made a whole career off of standing in the pocket and shuffling around and not giving a crap about who's around him. Well, that is not the case anymore. So I thought it was a step forward for him. I thought despite Deontay dropping an extremely catchable big play ball about that 30 yard pass or whatever it was while Ben was scrambling in the fourth quarter, that was very unfortunate. That's his first real drop of the season to me because the one in the back of the end zone, that is a drop. But like I said, that'd be a, a very high degree of difficulty catch. But that one down the field was very disappointing. And then Chase had, you know, the ones later. So if they had picked him up a little bit more, the offense would have ended up in the end zone a few more times. So. And and by the way, I think that those guys also had phenomenal plays. I'm just trying to give a three-dimensional image of what happened. So all that being said, I think the story of the game is on defense and how unbelievably embarrassingly bad they were in the second half against Alex Collins and the Seahawks running game. The Seahawks... On their, on their touchdown drives, it seemed like they were running like eight out of ten plays. I, I think that that might be relatively accurate. And I think the Steelers are experiencing are, – are, they are not weathering the loss of Alu-Alu and it very well. And, hey, that makes total sense. That is two of the three starting defensive linemen. No team is going to be able to weather that perfectly. Now, you don't like to see them – just get gashed like they did when you have players like Wormley and Bugs and guys who are pretty good in the starting lineup. It is surprising that they got gashed the way they did. But, hey, maybe that's where having a small, fast inside linebacker like Devin Bush kind of bites you in the butt. Like, look, we can put this small, fast guy back there because we have three mammoths in front of him and Alu Alu to it and Hayward. And then, of course, you know, the edge rushers. But now when you've taken some of those dominant forces away – you're losing some power and some some just big badassery that you need. If those guys are handling it up front, then Bush can come in or Schobert can come in and clean up the trash afterwards. But when it's their responsibility to get a push, to, to, to push people around, you're asking them to do something that's outside of their talents, right? It's like if you ask Ben to run the read option or something like that. I mean, that's a more exaggerated example, of course, but... You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make them bad players. It's just not playing to their to their strengths that way. Or or maybe it is exposing some of their limitations as players. 
So I think that was the most disappointing thing about it. But I want to get back to some broad views that I was referencing earlier in the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors. Symbol. These are our new guys. S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Cut the bull. Get to profiting off your sports knowledge. Symbol is the sport stock market that allows you to use that sports knowledge and make some money. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use the promo code SD, as in sports drink, to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Next up, baby, Spotify Green Room. It's a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and very easy to use. You can have arguments. You can do post-game breakdowns. You can even talk crap to Ian Rappaport or people like him. I'm not sure if Ian Rappaport's on there. But they have insiders, athletes, and other fans, and you can talk to everybody in real time. You can share your own experiences on the app and have conversations with people who are just as psychotic as we are and you are on the Spotify Greenroom app. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Alrighty, getting back to the broad views. I'm watching the Steelers a different way this year. You know, frankly, I don't want to pat myself on the back uh, because I don't deserve it in any way after, you know almost 30 years of manic and unacceptable behavior if the Steelers are losing or even if the Steelers are winning in a way that does not please me. There have been meltdowns. There have been tantrums. As an adult, definitely as a kid, there's still damage in dad's house in my old room due to Jerome Bettis' fumble on the one-yard line against the Colts in the divisional playoffs. I digress. But to pat myself on the back... I'm not living and dying with wins and losses this year. And I think it's because I'm viewing this Steelers squad as a transition team. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'm looking at this as the 2021-2022 Steelers. They're in an interesting position where clearly they need a lot of help. I mean, to not have an acceptable offensive line, that's not like, hey, we need a receiver. That, that's a whole unit. That is five guys. I'm not saying that it's five guys who are bad, but I am saying they need to see somebody. They really need two or three guys to step up and show that they're serviceable this year for the Steelers to be able to transition to be a better team. They're going to they're gonna lose some more guys. They're going to need corners. They're going to need all kinds of players next year, but they're not like the Jets or the Jaguars or the Lions or these teams that are starting from nothing. It's interesting because the Steelers have a few bona fide superstar mid-20, young 20-year-old players who could make up the core of the team for a long time. And when you consider that the Steelers severely value keeping their own guys— You could view T.J. Watt and Highsmith and Minka and Deontay Johnson and these guys as long-term players for the Steelers, Najee Harris, guys who they're going to try and keep for a while. They're going to lose, you know, are are they going to be able to rebuild before Cam Hayward retires? You know, you're going to lose Ben, Cam, who knows what's happened with Tuit. So 
I don't know if it's going to be as easy as the Steelers just transitioning uh, pretty quickly, like plugging in a Russell Wilson. I don't think that that's completely out of the question, but it also could be what is the strategy going to be going forward for the Steelers? And after the first six weeks of the season, I've sort of landed on the idea that I would prefer the Steelers to be competitive this year instead of them losing as many games as possible in order to get a high draft not just a high draft pick, to get many high draft picks. Because remember, if you're going to top 10 pick, you're going to top 10 pick in the second round and third round as well. So those really pile on top of each other. The NFL makes it easy for you to build a team that way. And I think part of me almost feels like, oh, it'd be better if they only won a few games because look at the list of stars. I I only mentioned a few of them a, a minute ago. But if you plugged in some bona fide you know, super high pedigree guys, you could have an awesome team pretty much immediately. But I don't think Pittsburgh works that way. I think what you need to do is look at the young talent that they've acquired on the team and hope that it develops. It develops the way that TJ Watt has developed and the way Deontay Johnson is developing. You got to hope Dotson goes that way. And you just want to see as many local current Steelers become great players as you can because then that way it's going to be much easier to to plug the rest of those holes that way you're not going to get people screaming for Tomlin's job which they would totally be doing if the Steelers only won five games this year you know Um, you get that continuity and then as far as attaining a quarterback goes it's weird like there's not a it's not a great quarterback class this year like, I know Matt Corral is a sexy guy. Oh, you want, you, you want a sexy guy there, quarterback? Yeah, you do. But guess what? He's only 6'1", and he doesn't have a rocket arm. And to me, I need to watch more of that guy. I'm just giving you an example of one of them. But to me, it's not worth taking a quarterback in the first round unless he has a, an elite arm. An elite arm, or if he doesn't have an elite arm, he better be Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson has a pretty strong arm as well. But... It's just so hard to win with guys with average arms who don't offer something else that's really major. I mean, look at Sam Darnold's struggles. By the way, that's another guy. He's been the same guy since USC. I think people severely underrated him on the Jets, and and then they saw him go to the Panthers. It's like, yeah, this is what he always does. He's great at avoiding sacks, making throws on the run, making mid-range. He's never completed a 50-yard bomb in his life, and he's going to have boneheaded turnovers. This is the same game he's played since USC, right? But that guy's hard to win with. Joe Burrow's the only quarterback who I can think of in the NFL, and, and we'll see what happens with Mac Jones, but Joe Burrow's really the only guy who doesn't have an elite arm and isn't an elite scrambler and who's a really good quarterback. And that's just because he's, I don't know, he's just so good at playing the position. He's unbelievable at moving in the pocket, and then he's incredibly accurate. So if, you, if you're off the charts with those two things, then maybe you're good to go. But all I'm trying to say is, you know, maybe Malik uh, Willis is a good option because he's got a ton of talent, the quarterback from Liberty. But I, I just don't know if this is the year where, like, oh, let's lose as many games as we can. Then you plug a real bona fide uh, superstar quarterback in. You give him a year or two to develop, and boom, the Steelers are back in. I don't know. All I know is that I think it's in the Steelers' best interest to be an attractive landing destination for a Russell Wilson-type guy, uh, you know, uh, or just see if you can trade up. There's other teams, you know, who are able to be decent 8-8-ish eight and or 10-win teams, like the Chiefs and the Texans who got – 
Jackson and, and, and Mahomes and stuff like that. I mean, the Patriots got Mac Jones at 15 this year. You don't have to be in the very top 10 to get there. And I think it, it it's just in the Steelers' better interests to be good this year. So I'm glad that they won. I'm glad that they got to 3-3. Three and three. I think that you don't put an asterisk on any Steelers win at this phase where they're at right now because the Steelers are such a work in progress that it truly is more about what they do rather than what the other teams are doing because, like I said, all we're trying to see is are the players developing? Are you creating an ecosystem for the next, you know, Steelers team, which would be a continuation off of this team. It's, it's not, I don't think it's a blow it up and restarted situation. So I like what I saw from the Steelers. Of course, it was frustrating. And I think that what you got last night is what sort of average to mediocre teams do. Like there's enough superstar talent on the Steelers. There's enough prestige with the playing at Heinz field at nighttime. And there's enough oomph from Mike Tomlin that you you can beat bad teams like that. And it's going to look ugly, but you're going to end up with more wins on the schedule than you'd expect when you see them get, you know, handled by better teams or this or that. So that's just kind of what happens. And I think that that's the difference between the Steelers having a lot of talent and then being like a Falcons or a Jets who are just getting blown out by people. Um, I just like the improvements we saw on the offensive side of the ball. You got to hope that Tua gets healthy soon on defense. You got to be worried that are you really relying that much on one guy to help the run defense? I assume the Steelers will be going back to the drawing board in a serious way regarding that run defense this week in practice, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, The last few things I'd like to mention about special teams, Chris Boswell is Justin Tucker Jr. Like, look, when Justin Tucker kicks a 52-yard field goal to give the team the lead in the fourth quarter. It's going to go over the top of the goalposts. That's the difference there. But Chris Boswell is just so straight and true. Right down the middle there, ball spinning end over end. No doubt that he's going to hit the 37-yarder or whatever it was to win in overtime. He's phenomenal. I think Ray Ray McLeod, it's been a bummer to see that he hasn't really broken any long returns, but he has been smart with the ball and just getting, you know, 7 to 12-yard returns, 15 yards here or there. He really hasn't had a 15-yarder in a little while, I feel like. But, you know, he's been smart with the ball that way. And then Presley Harvin the third. I think he took another step forward. Seven punts, one of them, Shankopotamus. was like a 32-yarder that gave the, the Seahawks the ball around their own 45. That's bad. But what I care about more were the big boomers that we saw him hit throughout the course of the game. He did have one bounce in the one-yard line and, and kind of bounced barely into the end zone, but even that was an, was an accurate placement on the punt. So just keep watching Presley Harvin. It would be such a weapon to get an elite punter, especially with a defensive-based team, and it would be so disappointing to have drafted a punter who doesn't work out. But he definitely flashed some superstardom last night. So next up for the Steelers, that run defense is going to get tested. Just could not have come at a worse time in the schedule. The Steelers are playing the Browns next week. I don't know if Chubb's going to be back or whatever it is, but it really doesn't make a difference. The Browns offensive line would maul the Steelers if they play the way they did last night. And Kareem Hunt or Chubb or whoever it is is going to get there and they're going to be able to make things happen that way. So to me... Again, it's the 2021-22 Steelers. It's actually more exciting that they get an opportunity to 
to improve on that run defense that failed so spectacularly against the Seahawks last night. I'll be really interested to see what the Steelers do there. The Browns defense is not good. It's incredibly talented, and it might end up really good. If I had to place a bet, I would say that they they would gel by the end of the year or by next year or something. I mean, well, next year would be kind of inexcusable. That would be hilarious. But by, you know, second half, end of the year, I could see the – the elite talent all over the Cleveland Browns defense really winning out and making it happen. But they have sucked this year. I think the Cardinals scored in their first five drives. We know the Cardinals are undefeated, but they're sort of like the Steelers of last year where they're undefeated, but eh, they squeaked a couple out. They shouldn't have. They're not really that dominant. Um, but you can't deny freaking Kyler Murray and some of the talent they have on offense. That being said, you're supposed to be a good defense. You can't be letting any team score five times in a row and then blow you out of your building by 23 points right so they might actually the Steelers might be able to get some things going against the Browns I have to anticipate Miles Garrett's gonna have some massive plays he's sort of like Terrell Suggs 2.0 where anytime those guys play the Steelers they're gonna make a big impact especially just with the lack of athleticism on the Steelers offensive line Uh, I'd be interested to see if Zach Banner works his way into the lineup at any point. He was taken off the IR just recently, but was not given a helmet this past game. I don't think they'll put him in unless there's disaster, unless, you know, Clowney and Garrett just abuse one of the starting current current starting tackles. But uh, that is interesting to see that he's. You know, he might be available to come back in, and that could really help with the run identity. And obviously, the Steelers love the guy. They did just pay him, so you sort of you have some extra motivation to put him in the game. But I'll be curious to see what they do there. Either way, we'll be back same time, same place next week, hopefully after another victory, because that would be hilarious. The Steelers are technically tied with the Cleveland Browns at 3-3 three and three right now, but the Steelers' divisional record is 0-1. So if they could beat the Browns, which I think will be a very tall task, just to be honest with you, uh, and go four and three and, and, and send the Browns into the cellar. Oh, it'll be so sweet. You know the Steelers will be up for it. That, that is the one extenuating factor here. Look, the, the Browns are so well-rounded. They know who they are. They have a formula. They're going to be really pissed coming off of an embarrassment that they suffered against the Cardinals. But that bad blood created by the Miles Garrett incident, created by the blowout loss to the Browns last year in the playoffs. This will be the first time they faced since then. This is kind of a Mike Tomlin special. So I'd be surprised if the Steelers got blown out. Uh, I think that it'll be a close game either way. But uh, just given the emotional stakes of, of the of the thing, but I think it's being played in Cleveland, so that makes it a little bit more difficult. That being said, we'll see you next week. Follow us on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.